For many years, statins have been used to prevent cardiovascular disease. Statins historically were developed to help lower cholesterol levels, but probably more importantly, by doing that, they help lower the risk of cardiovascular disease. And similarly, just like plaque and blockages can build up in the arteries for the heart, that same blockage and plaque buildup can happen in the small arteries that supply our brain. Leading to a new clinical trial to determine if statins can also prevent dementia. It's the first study that is really powered to find a change in dementia at this sort of scale. We are studying prevention of dementia. Never been done at this scale before. Discover how statins make disease preventable in our heart and maybe in our mind. Inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Wisconsin, Freighter Hospital, Versity, Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. For decades, statins have been medication frequently prescribed to patients in fighting and preventing cardiovascular disease. Perhaps you take a statin or know somebody who does. But what exactly are statins? How do they work? And why are they the focus of medical researchers for their possible role in preventing conditions in addition to cardiovascular disease? We sought insight from an expert. Dr. Jake Decker is an assistant professor, Department of Medicine, Division of General Internal Medicine at the Medical College of Wisconsin and a physician at Freighter Hospital who regularly sees patients to consult with them about and to treat cardiovascular disease. To begin our conversation, Dr. Decker first gives us a general description of what a statin is. Statins are a general class of medications that we have that historically were developed to help lower cholesterol levels. And they do a very good job at lowering cholesterol levels, but probably more importantly, by doing that, they help lower the risk of cardiovascular disease. Meaning lowering our risk of heart attack, risk of stroke, risk of plaque buildup and things like that. Dr. Decker says, historically, there are two different groups statins have typically been prescribed for. First, people that have had a heart attack, have had a stroke, and the intent of the statin is to prevent a second or a third or a fourth heart attack or stroke, and we call that secondary prevention. And second, there's a whole other group of people that we also use statins for who have not had any heart attack or stroke, but we are trying to prevent that first event, and we call that primary prevention. Dr. Decker says, assessing patients' risk for cardiovascular disease and hopefully preventing it is critically important. The majority 
my role at Medical College of Wisconsin and Freighter is as a primary care physician. And what I do is preventative medicine. When I sit down with the patient and think about how can I help the person in front of me lower their risk of having a heart attack or a stroke, we think about what we call risk factors. That can be things like family history of heart disease, smoking, high blood pressure, diabetes. And one of the things that falls in this category is cholesterol level. We've likely all heard of cholesterol, but what exactly is it? Cholesterol is a natural substance our body makes and our body needs. And so cholesterol isn't by itself evil. It's instead actually very essential. Really? Essential in what way? Our cells have membranes and walls that help divide themselves from different compartments of the body and the outside world. And so the cholesterol is actually very essential for the function of those divisions. But while providing an essential function in our bodies... When it's present in excess over time, cholesterol can sometimes actually increase risk of bad things happening as time goes on. So, we essentially need cholesterol, just not too much cholesterol. Too much cholesterol can build up inside the blood vessels and can sometimes cause an inflammatory reaction where it's present, the body can recognize it and start to react to it as if it needs to be removed and that causes a chain reaction where plaque buildup starts that process of blockages in arteries and lots of the body's defense system reacts to that. Is all cholesterol the same? Turns out the answer's no. There's good cholesterol and there's bad cholesterol. When we measure cholesterol numbers in the blood, it's called a lipid panel. And that panel is composed of certain components. Usually there's a total cholesterol component, there's a triglyceride component, and then there's two other things. One is called HDL cholesterol, which is commonly referred to as the good cholesterol. And then there's LDL cholesterol, which is commonly referred to as the bad cholesterol. But what makes one type of cholesterol good and the other bad? Again, all cholesterol is essential, but certain players end up causing more damage than others. And so the HDL cholesterol, the reason we call it good cholesterol is that people that have higher levels of this good cholesterol tend to have less numbers of cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, and strokes. And conversely, yep, you guessed it more levels of the LDL or bad cholesterol tend to have more cardiovascular disease, more heart attacks, and more strokes. And so that's why these terms became good and bad. What causes someone to have a high or unhealthy level of the LDL or bad cholesterol? Dr. Decker says there's a couple of key factors. There's definitely a genetic or familial disposition to having too much bad cholesterol. So some people are going to have elevated levels of bad cholesterol because of family history or because of genetics. And there's not a whole lot that we can do about that. But there's an equal component. It's what he refers to as our environment. Which encompasses things like lifestyle and diet and exercise. And so by working on things like your exercise and your diet, you can affect your LDL level. But I will say that even people that do everything right with exercise and diet, to some extent, your fate is determined by the genetics at play there. Fortunately, there are medications available to effectively keep bad cholesterol levels in check, which brings us back to statins. Statin medications do a remarkable job at lowering the levels of bad cholesterol. So that's really why they were developed and why we use them. Statins have also proven to be effective as preventative medication beyond their role of lowering bad cholesterol. If somebody has 
has high cholesterol or moderately elevated cholesterol, taking a statin medication can help lower that level. But irrespective of that, even if your level of cholesterol is relatively low, taking a statin medication can help lower your risk of heart attack or stroke. And so what it comes down to is really talking to a patient about what are your things that are putting you at risk and is it worth taking a medicine to help lower that risk a little bit. And in assessing risk for cardiovascular disease, Dr. Decker says there's an unavoidable contributing factor that statins might help with as well. Part of that risk calculation includes age. And so as we get older, the risk of heart attack or stroke goes up as well. So sometimes patients may be relatively healthy. They don't have things like smoking, high blood pressure, or diabetes. But because they've lived on this earth long enough, they have a high enough risk of a heart attack or stroke where a statin may be helpful for them. In fact, coming up, discover a new clinical trial focusing on whether statins not only prevent cardiovascular disease, but also dementia in people 75 and older. But first, Dr. Decker explains how statins actually work to lower cholesterol. The biochemical term for something called HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors. So it's a lot easier to say statins. But these medications work by basically blocking a step in the creation of cholesterol. Our bodies create cholesterol, and that happens in the liver. Part of the chemical process includes an enzyme, and statins basically block that enzyme. In addition to slowing down the production of cholesterol, statins also accelerate recycling of cholesterol, take excess cholesterol out of the blood and recycle it back into its base component. So both blocking creation of new cholesterol, but also recycling old cholesterol. In effect, that causes a lower amount of total cholesterol circulating around in the body. Are there different types of statins? There are several different statins that are available. People may have heard of pravastatin or simvastatin or atorvastatin or rosuvastatin. They all do the same thing. It's not necessarily that one is better than the other. They're all the same class of medications. They work the same way. But there are differences between statins based on their potency. There may be one medication that at 10 milligrams has a certain effect, but another medication you only need 5 milligrams for, and so you just need less of one medication to have the same effect. And their intensity. Low intensity, moderate intensity, high intensity statins. If somebody has already had a heart attack or a stroke, we're trying to prevent future heart attacks or strokes. And so we definitely choose a moderate or a high intensity statin. If you haven't had a heart attack or stroke and we're doing this purely as a preventative for the first event, then we tend to go for a low intensity or moderate intensity statin. Are statins safe to take? By and large, most people that take statins don't have any side effects. Statins are one of the safest medications that we have on the market. And I say that because of the way they've been studied, but also because they're incredibly common. And so over the past 20 years, millions of people have been on these medications. And so we have a lot of information about the safety profile based on that. Still, there are some common side effects that go along with the known benefits of statins. One of the most common side effects people hear about is that statins can cause muscle pains or even muscle damage. But in clinical practice, about 5% of people that take statins are going to experience some sort of muscle aches and pains. Fortunately, for many of those patients, the side effects don't last. Some patients, they'll need to stop the medication, and when we stop the medication, the muscle ache and pain goes away. Sometimes what we do is after a couple weeks, we try the medication again, and the muscle ache and pain don't come back. So it tends to not prevent them from actually being on the medication. 
If you want to learn more about statins... Your primary care physician is a great resource for this. If you're online, the American Heart Association has great resources, very patient-friendly. With our increased understanding of statins, we discover a clinical trial that's underway to explore their role in preventing serious illness beyond cardiovascular disease. The formal name of the study is the Pragmatic Evaluation of Events and Benefits of Lipid Lowering in Older Adults, shortened to the acronym PREVENTABLE. Dr. Jeffrey Whittle is Professor, Department of Medicine, Division of General Internal Medicine at the Medical College of Wisconsin and a physician at the Zablocki VA Medical Center. He's also co-principal investigator of the Preventable Clinical Trial Program. Preventable is a chance for people who are 75 years and older to help to figure out whether or not we should be using statins to prevent the development of dementia and heart disease in people who are older but have not had heart disease or dementia in the past. His co-principal investigator is Dr. Jake Decker. Trying to address the question of if healthy adults over age 75 take statin medications, does that help prevent dementia, heart disease, and overall disability? And the reason we're asking this research question is, believe it or not, nobody has really asked that question before. And so this research trial is trying to answer that question for this age group. We frequently hear about dementia among the elderly, but how prevalent of an issue is it? Dr. Jeffrey Whittle. There are more than 6 million people in the country who have dementia, and that number is increasing as the population ages, although the chance of developing dementia for any one person has actually gotten a little bit less over the last few years, but it's still quite high. So take all people over the age of 65, it's probably 1 in 10. Take people over the age of 75, it gets to be 1 in 6. People who are over the age of 85, it gets to be even higher. So it's increasingly likely as people age. But he offers this important clarification. We recognize it's normal for people to have some decrease in their short-term memory as they get older. That's not dementia. Dementia is something that a physician needs to diagnose. Oftentimes, people will know that they've been given that diagnosis. But the guy who's concerned because he's losing his car keys a little more often than he used to, that's not dementia. That's a normal change with aging. Why were statins initially considered to possibly have positive impact in preventing dementia? cardiovascular risk factors contribute to dementia. So that's well established with high blood pressure. In fact, treating high blood pressure is one of the few things we have that actually does reduce the risk of dementia. And there was a thought that, well, perhaps treating cholesterol would be similarly beneficial because high cholesterol causes vascular disease and vascular disease contributes to dementia. But that's not something that's been looked at in older populations. And as you look at people who are 75 and older, the association between high cholesterol and dementia is less clear. Dr. Decker adds, Just like plaque and blockages can build up in the arteries for the heart, that same blockage and plaque buildup can happen in the small arteries that supply our brain. And so perhaps statins, in addition to helping protect the heart, can protect the brain against dementia and prevent some of those memory changes. And while earlier studies were conducted, indicating statins were indeed beneficial in treating heart disease, they really didn't look at dementia. They didn't follow people long enough. They didn't look at people who were at high risk for dementia. And they really didn't do sophisticated testing to detect early changes that suggest cognitive impairment or dementia. So first, some smaller studies were conducted to see if statins help prevent dementia. 
could help. And in some observational studies, when you look at a lot of people who have been taking statins for a long time, some of them suggest people were less likely to have dementia than those who weren't. On the other hand, there's a lot of reasons why people take statins, and it's not entirely clear that they were cause and effect. Some other studies looked very similar, but the result was that people taking the statins had more dementia. So the brain is made out of a lot of fat, cholesterol's of fat. And there was some thought when statins first came out that they might make cognition or thinking worse. That's generally not thought to be the case, but there is residual lack of clarity as to whether statins are helpful or not. Leading to the formation and eventual launch of the Preventable Clinical Trial. The Preventable study came about, and what Preventable does is it allows us to be quite confident because we have people who don't have dementia to start with, who don't have heart disease to start with, And over the course of the study, we'll follow those folks along and be able to tell if the people who are taking the statin are doing better or worse. What is the actual size and scope of Preventable? Preventable is really a huge effort by the National Institutes of Health. It's their largest trial that's currently ongoing. They have over 100 institutions that they plan to have involved right now. It's in the 80s, and they're adding sites. They're going to, over the course of the next three years, enroll 20,000 people and follow them in the trial. So it's really a massive undertaking all across the country and 20,000 people participating. The Medical College of Wisconsin is one of those sites, partnering with Freighter Hospital and the Zablocki VA Medical Center to enroll patients in the clinical trial. Next, we asked Dr. Whittle exactly who Preventable is for. The clinical trial wants to bring in people who don't have dementia or cognitive impairment to date, and also people who don't have heart disease, because people who have heart disease are likely to benefit from statins, and we really can't randomize them to not take statins. And people who are at high risk of dementia based on their age, and we use the age of 75. So 75-year-old people who don't have heart disease and don't have dementia. Understanding the minimum age requirement of 75, is there a maximum age limit for preventable? Actually, there is not. Really, as long as your thinking is clear, you can participate. And we also look to see if people are taking medicines to treat dementia. And if they're taking those medications or if they have a physician diagnosis of dementia, then they can't be in the study. But the guy who's losing his car keys a little more often than he used to, that's one that would be a wonderful person to participate in the study. We have some people who are in their high 90s in the study. So far, nobody over 100. Not yet, anyway. In addition to age criteria for inclusion, there's a focus to enroll minority populations. Minority populations suffer disproportionately from dementia. So the number of people who develop dementia as one gets older is nearly twice as high in African Americans compared to white populations. Some of that reflects risk factors, more exposure to the things that cause heart disease or vascular disease like hypertension and diabetes. And some of it we just don't know, but it's very clear that there's a higher rate in the African American population, but actually also Hispanics, who are the two largest minority populations in the U.S. So we really want to have those folks included. He further explains... Whenever we study a disease that's common across groups, we want to include representatives of all groups so we can be comfortable that the findings are similar in those groups. So it's really important that we have a substantial number of African-American or Hispanic people in the study as well as the white population. And based on the extensive clinical and research work Dr. Whittle does with our veteran population... 
know veterans, because of their willingness to serve others, are very likely to participate in this kind of a study where the primary reason to participate is that you want to help other people. And veterans historically have been very important in many of the groundbreaking studies that have been done. So that's how the VA got involved. It wasn't because veterans are at higher or lower risk of dementia. It's that we know veterans are voluntaristic and really willing to serve others. In addition to the inclusion criteria, there are exclusion criteria that would disallow someone from participating. People who already have heart disease, we don't enroll people in that category because they really should be on a statin. And if they're not taking it, it's probably because they can't tolerate it. Similarly, if somebody has taken a statin and knows that they have not been able to tolerate it, then we wouldn't want them to enter the study because they would have a chance of being started on the statin, which they wouldn't tolerate. And the third group are people who already have significant cognitive impairment. That is, the doctor has said I have dementia and I'm having it impact my everyday functioning or I'm taking a medicine for dementia. Once a patient is enrolled in preventable, what does participation involve? This is actually one of the easier studies to be involved with. So somebody who might want to participate would meet with a member of the study team at the medical college or at the VA, although we do enroll people remotely over the phone. Whether in person or over the phone, prospective participants will hear about the study, have their questions answered, and then decide whether to participate. If you participate, you would sign a consent form saying, yeah, I understand what I'm signing up for. Let's go. Once a participant is officially enrolled in the study, we send the name to the coordinating center, which is in North Carolina. The coordinating center generates a random number that tells us that the person will be on the placebo or the statin drug. Half of them take a placebo, and then half take the statin. And we send the study medication to the person through the mail. There are some assessments that are part of participation as well. At the baseline, and then every year thereafter, they're asked to do a short physical performance assessment. And then we also do some cognitive testing, test that memory to see what it's like at the beginning. And then we test it again each year to see if people are still functioning at the same level that they used to be. And in particular, compare the people who are taking a placebo to the people who are taking the statin. So we're interested in whether statins prevent disability, both mental and physical. Which statin drug is the one being tested in preventable? And why was it specifically chosen? The one that we use is called atorvastatin, known as Lipitor. And it was chosen because it's amongst the most potent statins, that is, it can lower the cholesterol the most. A study like this is only going to be done once, and we didn't want people to wonder, well, I wonder if we'd have just given a stronger statin if it would have had more of an effect. And so we chose a torvastatin, and we give it actually at a fairly high dose of 40 milligrams a day, enough to lower the bad cholesterol by about a half in most people. And its side effect rate is very, very low, so it's very likely people will be able to tolerate it. How long, then, do patients participate in the clinical trial? We have ongoing monitoring. We look and we compare the two groups and say, boy, it looks like the two groups are doing about the same. In that case, we would continue to do the study thinking that we would expect there to be some time before any impact is felt. But if we don't see those outcomes early, the plan is to end the study after an average of five years of follow-up for each patient. So the ones who have started early might be on as long as six years. People who join at the tail end of the study might only be in the study four years or less. Since participants may be taking multiple other prescribed medications, is there any concern about adding the study drug to their daily regimen? There's 
certainly is a concern, given that older individuals are oftentimes already taking medication. And so we really need to study people like that because if it turns out people, because of the possible interactions, end up with more problems rather than less problems, then that would be a reason not to use statins. But if we knew the answer, if we knew they were beneficial and prevented dementia, I'm very sure that people would be more than willing to take statins, even if they're on several other drugs already. Dr. Jake Decker. Their current medication list will be looked at and it will be ensured that none of the medications that they're on will have any sort of drug interactions. One of the things that's really nice about the statin class of medications is that they tend to not have many drug interactions. There are a couple that could occur, but again, we take a very close look to make sure that there's not any danger with prior medications. On the other hand, it wouldn't be right to study this statin only in people taking few to no other medications. Because that would give us a misleading result. If it looked like it did a good job in people where it was the only drug they were being given, and then we started to give it to people taking a fair number of medicines, we might be doing them a disservice. So the ones who are on a lot of drugs are welcome in the study, and the ones who are on very few drugs are welcome in the study, because we really want to study a population that represents all Americans who might be asked to take the drug if it's effective. Why is it important for eligible participants to volunteer for preventable? Dr. Decker says there is a benefit for individual participants. There's good scientific reasons to think that being on the statin medication is beneficial. As part of the trial, patients are periodically checked in upon, and that is a little bit extra from what might be typical for general health assessments. So by being in the trial, you get an extra set of eyes on you and an extra chance somebody is going to pick up on stuff that might not have been picked up on. And Dr. Whittle adds, perhaps the biggest benefit isn't for today's participants, but for future patients. Right now, we don't know what to do for people who are over 75. If we knew it was beneficial to be on statins, we wouldn't ask you to be in a study. We'd just give you statins. But we really don't know. So the only way to find out is for people who are altruistic, who want to do what's good to enter into this study. So you're contributing to medical science to help other people. Dr. Whittle says it's far too early for any significant findings from the preventable study to date. We haven't even taken the first look at the data. We're not going to have our first look probably for at least two or three more years. But when preliminary data is available, it will be shared. When we do the preliminary looks, we will look at the data and say, oh, out of those people where they evenly divided between the two groups. And if that's the case, then we'll continue to do the study. It doesn't tell us that one study drug is better than the other or that it's the same, but just that we don't have enough of a difference yet to know if it's a real difference or just back and forth with events. And, of course, more detailed findings upon completion of the trial. At the end of that five-year average follow-up, the data will be shared, even if it shows that the two study drugs are the same. It'll be shared earlier than that if one of them emerges as being better. So if it turns out giving older people who are already on a bunch of medications statins and it tends to make more of them get sick, then we'll stop the study early because we'll know giving statins makes people get sick. Or, conversely, if we find that people taking the statins are less likely to develop heart attacks or develop dementia, then we should stop the study because even the people in the placebo group ought to be put on statins. So as soon as we know an answer definitively, then we will stop the study and let everybody involved know. What makes preventable different or unique as a clinical trial? It's the first 
study that is really powered to find a change in dementia at this sort of scale. There have been previous studies of dementia drugs where the drug was not as safe, and so they weren't willing to randomize the very, very large number of people that were randomizing. And studying prevention of dementia is a lot harder than treating dementia because most people are fine to start with. So we're waiting for people to develop a problem. So that's one thing. We are studying prevention of dementia. Never been done at this scale before. And Dr. Decker says... Preventable is looking at an age group that has historically not had as many clinical trials. As our population is getting older, we're going to need more and more information about how medications affect them, how can we best keep them healthy. This is one of the few trials that is enrolling patients in this age group. For anyone interested in participating in or learning more about the Preventable Clinical Trial... PreventableTrial.org is the website that describes the preventable study in great detail. Both Dr. Whittle and Dr. Decker are encouraged by the focus on statins and hopeful that, with them, more serious health conditions could prove to be preventable. Yes, they help to lower cholesterol, but I actually don't think of them as cholesterol medications. I think of them as heart protector medicines and hopefully brain protector medications that can help protect against potentially dementia. This is a chance to be part of one of the most important studies. Dementia is the condition that older individuals fear most, and they are much more afraid of that than they are of death. So this is a chance to potentially prevent or certainly delay the development of one of the most dreaded diseases that we deal with. But now we've reached the end for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. As always, our sincere thanks to today's guests, Dr. Jake Decker and Dr. Jeffrey Whittle. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show. And I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month. So make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer, wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to the podcast of this or any of our shows on demand, please visit our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Belmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.